That's good. You like that graphic? That takes hours and hours and hours to do. That's, that was the handiwork of uh, uh, Junior Coffee. No, you can give him some applause. That's hard work. Listen, we should be a church that's all about affirmation. We're not narcissistic. It's just it's a lot of work, right? I want to open up with a scripture. Guys, if you'll put up that scripture from Philippians. This is a life verse for me. And I want to share it with you. It's Philippians 4, 4 through 8 technically, but we're going to add 9. So just read along with me. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then Paul says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. How many want that to be their verse and to say amen? Listen, I'm going to share two parts gospel, one part personal testimony, Paul time. So, so stay with me. Um, I'm, I am the namesake of the Apostle Paul. My parents got saved in the military. I was an Air Force brat. Um, they were not saved. And they got saved by some missionaries who came back from East Asia. And when they got saved, they had already had three children. And my brothers are awesome. And two of them come here. But they all had familial names. How many of you have handed names from your family to your children already? You passed down the generational lineage. But distinctly, the Holy Spirit came to my parents and, and said, you need to set this one apart from me. And they gave me the name Paul. And I'm the only one in my family with a biblical name. Now, that's a tough order to live up to, especially when you look at the life of Paul. Because the guy was passionate. He got into trouble all the time. It's like my life. And I'm like, I don't want to be cursed with that. And yet, the man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The man traveled and went to places where the gospel had not yet gone. He was always on the move, always with the passion, always on the go. I feel that same spirit resonate within me. And yet, it's a, it's a heavy load. Because you're always coming and going and doing, you know, it's an act of obedience every day. And I don't want to diminish other people's call. I'm just being transparent with mine. I guess, Jeremy, that's why, and I know it's so uncomfortable to pull up a, a six on the Enneagram unannounced and throw them up here. In front. But he leads worship every week. I figured he could take it. The truth of the matter is probably coming and going is maybe easier for me than it might be. For, for Jeremy, Jeremy is, is solid. Jeremy is faithful. I've known Jeremy 22 years, and although we have been geographically distant, I've worked with his best friend, got to work with him. So there is this understanding in my life of, of, of travel and this and that. And he's, he's had years of investment in locations, and he's on the precipice of a big move. So I, I'm just saying I feel that. I feel that for you, whether I should or not. Because when I read the Apostle Paul, that scripture I just read to you, 
I'm going to backtrack to the beginning of the story. But that encouragement came after many, many travels. It came after multiple missionary journeys. In fact, that letter would not even be written if it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so let me go to Acts chapter 16. How many of you are at all even familiar with Saul's conversion to become the Apostle Paul? Raise your hand. It's all good. And if you've never heard this story, it's okay. This is not like call you out for not remembering in Sunday school or you've never heard this story. Basically, there was a young man named Saul who grew up studying religious studies. He was super passionate, super zealous, thought he knew the ways of God. You ever talked to a church fanatic before? And they just knew it was their way or the highway. And I'm not saying that there is gray areas all the time in the matters of truth. I'm just saying there were some people that didn't know the things that Paul knew or Paul felt they didn't know what he knew. And he was really kind of in your face about it. And, and the Lord met him on, on a journey and, and he blinded him. And he said, why are you persecuting my people? Like, I'm loving people, I'm reaching people, and you're killing the people I'm sending to encourage. So long story short, Saul has a conversion experience, and, and he gets the new name. Now you're Paul. Now Paul goes around traveling, and he's preaching the gospel. And, and he comes to this um, area in Turkey. Paul is, is, is traveling around Eastern Turkey, Central Turkey, and he has a vision of where he's going to go. How many of you guys feel like you know what you're doing with your life? You got your degree, you, you got your job, you know, you're from, show of hands. You feel like you know what you're doing, you're on the course. How many of you would admit, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I'm always taking a left turn, a right turn? Yes. More often, than, and, I, and I say that because we have High school graduates, junior high graduates, we have college graduates. I'm, I'm about a week away from master's, like 11 years removed from my last schooling and then eight years removed from that. So I'm about 20 years removed from when I started the whole journey. Life is full of what I call pivots. And this is the message that I really want us to get our minds wrapped around. Because I think it will not only encourage these graduates, people transitioning, the Pomo family that's transitioning, and all of us who are transitioning here at Lifehouse because we're senders. We're feeling the pain too, right? Yes? We're not numb to these things. So let's read Acts 16, verse 6. I'm going to read. It's a big chunk of scripture. Let me read, and I'll unpack it for you. It's not going to be up there, so if you got your Bible app, go there. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. That's Turkey. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, which is close to Constantinople and, and where at the bottom of the Black Sea. That's kind of where it is on a map. But the spirit of Jesus, listen to this, would not allow them to go there. 
So they passed by Mysia, and they went down to Troas, and, and that's a port city. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come to Macedonia, help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So just, to, just to, so that you understand the old world map, Macedonia is like the former Yugoslavia, Serbia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, that whole area. That is Macedonia, which sits on top of, of uh, modern-day Greece. That's, that's the location we're talking about. And Paul had been coming out of like Jerusalem, trickling up through the Middle East, and he'd been over there in eastern Turkey. And all of a sudden, he gets a, a call from the Lord to go across the sea and go to this area. So picking it up in verse 11 says this, From that seaport in Troas, we put out to sea, and we sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis, and from there we traveled to Philippi, Listen to this. A Roman colony in the leading city at the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. In case that town didn't ring a bell, Philippi is where the church of Philippi is, where the letter Philippians is, where the scripture I just read from was directed to. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, and we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down. We began to speak to the women who gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Theratira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And they persuaded us. Next, and I'm going to read three stories and then come back and unpack it for you. Verse 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave, a young girl who was possessed by a spirit where she predicted the future. In fact, she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She was basically um, being human trafficked. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. And when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews. They're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful to us Romans to accept or to practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they were severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailers was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, fasten their feet in the stocks. So there's the dungeon, and then there's the inner dungeon. And then there's the inner dungeon. You know those cute little Russian dolls that you just keep opening up and get down to the tinky-winky little baby? They were in the tinky little jail, all the way deep, deep in the inner. 
parts. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Because that's what I'd do if I was thrown into itty-bitty jail in, in the middle. They were singing praises to God. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake. And the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open. Mind you, he's in the front. Because there's only one way out. He isn't all the way in the back. And if the front doors are open. That means everybody's getting out. And so he saw those doors open and he drew his sword. It was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of that night, the jailer took them. He washed their wounds, and immediately he and the household were baptized. The jailer brought him into the house. They set a meal before him and filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Verse 35, when it was daylight, <laughs> this is always the way it is. The magistrate sent their officers to the jailer with the order, hey, it's okay, release those guys. And the jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered you to, and Silas to be released. Now you can leave and go in peace. And Paul said, nah, 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 nah. They beat us publicly without a trial. Even though we're citizens, Roman citizens. And they threw us into prison without warrant. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, 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 no. Let them come themselves. Let them escort us out. You ever felt that way? You've been falsely persecuted. You're like, nah, you can, you can walk me out here, son. Well, they came to appease them and escorted them from the prison. And they were begging them, requesting them, please leave the city. But after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, you know where they went? They went back to Lydia's home where they met with her, the brothers and sisters, and they encouraged them, and then they left. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, as we unpack this scripture, will you illuminate our minds? Will you illuminate our hearts? Will you open up our spirit to receive what your spirit wants to teach us? You say that your Holy Spirit is both a guide, a comforter, then power, but also our teacher. So will you teach us this morning? Let your words be heard and not my words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to back it up to the beginning there. Paul was zealous. Paul thought he had a plan at the time he was Saul. Paul thought he knew what he was supposed to do. And in his zeal and in his passion, getting caught up, even the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament at that time was misguided. It wasn't misguided in the wanting, it wasn't misguided in the, the heart's desire to love the Lord and serve the Lord. It was misguided in that the nature and the delivery and the tact wasn't there. I can uh, relate to that. It's like a constant struggle for me because I know truth and I love people and I get to deal with articulation all the time. So... I, this it won't be if I haven't offended you yet that's coming 
and I just ask grace in advance. Uh, here's, here's the reality. In that situation, Paul thought he knew what was up, and God stopped him and said, no, you don't know, and he corrected him. Well, then Paul gets sent on a journey, and he thinks, okay, I righted the ship. Now I know, right? Sometimes we're stubborn, but then when we learn a hard lesson, we're like, okay, I'm just going to move forward. I'm just going to roll with it, and then we realize once again, we still need to learn how to pivot. Oh, I'm on that job. Well, that's not the job I have for you. I have this job for you. Well, that job doesn't pay as much and it's less glamorous. Well, that's the job that I need you for. Well, I don't want that job. Well, that's your job, right? You had those situations. God, I wasn't ready for this kid. I don't know if I'll be a good parent. I, I, I actually don't want that kid at all because I didn't want kids. Wh- whatever, right? The Lord uses life to mature us not the other way around we're not God's gift to the world he uses other people to be a gift to us right when we get that perspective that's a that's a good day so what happens right there is Paul was going somewhere else and it was the still small whisper of the Holy Spirit that says you need to come to Macedonia and when he comes to Macedonia they do what they always do they find a public place now mind you this wasn't a a saved a Christian environment there were some converted Jews and there were some people whatever but they had they had not come to know this faith that Paul was going to talk about they didn't know this yet so Paul comes to this fairly bleak looking area I mean have you ever felt like I mean Texas is like the belt buckle of the Bible belt right we're pretty comfortable with our Jesus have you ever been to any other state in the United States of America that was less than comfortable about the things of Jesus yes Paul went there and Paul didn't start out by just throwing up a church Paul went into the city And you know who was gathered in the city? The women. And not only were the women gathering, doing business as mission. You remember like a month and a half ago, we had a gentleman come in talking about most of you are doing ministry in the workplace. That's where Paul went. Paul met a businesswoman, a woman of influence. It says that she dealt in purple linens, fine cloth. For those of you who want to do any sort of history, purple isn't an easy color to go. Any artists in the house? Purple isn't a primary color. It takes two pigments. Where do you get those pigments? You got to go find natural resources, Catan players, and you got to mix them. You got to mix them. I told you I'd get Catan in that sermon. You got to mix those things up. It's a secondary color. It's expensive. So this woman, business owner, was doing well for herself. And she's a person of influence in the city. Paul got sent by the Holy Spirit to a woman of influence that would influence the entire city. She gets saved. She hosts their ministry outpost. That becomes base camp. 
And then what goes from there is they're just sharing. They're just doing church. Well, what happens when you start doing real church and the Spirit's moving? People's lives get changed, right? How many of you guys can admit that, not that we're the end-all, be-all of all churches, but since coming to LifeHouse, you've found community, and you've found growth, and you've had some forward momentum. Can we agree that this has been a place of healing and forward momentum? This is a good church family. And when good things start happening, even those who don't follow Jesus cannot speak lies against you. So here's this young girl being human trafficked. Not everything is sexual and human trafficking. Being profiteered on is trafficked. So she's being used as a fortune teller here in the city. And these guys aren't caring one bit about this young girl. And they're making money hand over fist because it's an idolatrous, dark, pagan area. And all of a sudden, this girl's like, whoa, these guys are preaching about God, and you all need to listen to them. Who's prophesying? The next generation church kids? A demoniac. A young human trafficked girl demoniac is prophesying about the truth of Jesus. Is that screw with your theology? That's what's going on. But Paul gets annoyed. Paul didn't go, let's have a prayer service and pray the demon out of this girl. Paul loses his mind and goes, ah, in the name of Jesus, just get out. That's what, that's what happened. He just freaked out on her. And, that de- and the demon left. That's what happened. And then what happened? That girl stopped prophesying and being all caught up in the demonic stuff. The story doesn't say where she landed. The story doesn't say where she found her safe house. The story doesn't say who came alongside and restored her after being taken advantage of all those years. I'd like to believe that Paul raised up a church that cared for her. But it doesn't say that. The next part of the story is that for delivering a human traffic girl, Paul and Silas end up in jail. Yay, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you, do your work, deliver people, and I'm going to go to prison. Thank you, Jesus. Sign me up to follow you. That's what happens. Now, mind you, we're talking socioeconomic, gender issue, woman, rich, business leader, Now we're talking young girl, human trafficked, taken advantage of. Next, we're going to go to middle age, kind of second season jailer. This is what happens. The jailer, you don't get into the jail experience if you didn't have probably military experience. When Roman colonized all over the area, when they went all over the place, you got conscripted. And you went to war. And you did all that stuff. And when you got too old, they, they gave you severance package by watching the jail. So chances are the jailer was probably some 70-year-old dude. And it said he had a family, right? Most, most guys who are going off to war had hopes to come back and get married and had a family. 
Roman outposts that could be put out there for years. We, we figure that this guy had his family and he was much older. The jailer meets Paul and Silas because Paul and Silas did a good deed. And the jailer, God had a plan. The, j- the jailer hears them worship. The, the jailer hears them doing all these things. But he's still, he's seen a lot. He's seen war. He's seen death. He's killed. He's heard every excuse in the jail system. And, and doesn't want to hear it anymore. Wants to take care of his family and it's self-preservation. How many of you guys can identify that you've been so at the end of your rope, it's nothing but self-preservation at that point. And I'm going to end with this bit of the story. What happens is that earthquake comes, it throws the doors open. And just like Jesus' story, when that stone rolled away, what you guys already know, what happens if a jailer or a guard loses who they're guarding? They're ex they're, they're, I'm not going to say excommunicated. They're, tell me, they're executed. They're excommunicated for real. They're, they're killed. They're killed. They're executed. And so this, this guy who's known war isn't going to let some young lieutenant walk in and have the, the, the glory of, of punishing him after he's been faithful to his job. He's not going to be put out by some new young millennial. He basically says, no, no, no. If I lost this job on my own, I'm going to take, take it on my own. And he drew his sword ready to kill himself. That's really the story. And Paul and Silas started singing praises. This is what Serena was talking about, that soul shaking. The, th- the thing that's hard to quantify because in the middle of what would seem like a darkest hour, the bleakest moment, unexpected timing. Paul and Silas were resolved in their self that the Lord called them to where they were at, even in the most difficult of circumstances. And they said, we're here. We never left the stockade. In fact, my neck's a little cramped. It's hard to sing, Lord, I lift your name on high with it choking off on your neck like that. But they said, we're here. The jailer could not believe that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back up here. I'm going to go back to Philippians and read one more time. So you have gender, socioeconomic. You have gender, socioeconomic. And you have gender, socioeconomic. Nobody had thought that those would be interconnected. Nobody would have thought that the Lord had a thread that weaved the three stories together. And it all came to pass because the Holy Spirit whispered and asked us to pivot, asked Paul to pivot. I want to challenge us this morning. Can we be obedient enough to pivot when he asks us to pivot? Can we not think we have everything figured out? Can we not just look at our job, our skill, our talent, our gift mix, our natural inclination, our comfortability, and think that we can just stay on that course? Can we be malleable enough to go, if you tell me to go 180 degrees, Jesus, I'll do it. Because if it means 
saving a businesswoman who will influence an entire community. If it means setting a girl free from the demonic acts and the horrificness of human trafficking. If it means letting a second generation know that they're not done with life yet. There's still ministry ahead of them. If that's what it means, Jesus, I will stay right here in the midst of the jail.